In Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10, let me read it for you. The Word of God says, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Paul, after receiving so much hatred and persecution from his ministry, he was at risk at the point of falling into despair and doubt. The storm had been gathering, and he can feel the storm coming. And the Paul, how great as he was. He was feeling afraid. He was feeling shattered. He was feeling the hatred and the persecution. And he was at a point of giving up. He was in despair. He was in doubt. And God, the Lord Jesus Christ, came to him in vision. And he spoke to him. He spoke to him, do not be afraid. But speak and do not be silent, for I am with you. This is the second time the Lord Jesus Christ has spoken to Paul. The first one was on the way to Damascus when he was apprehended. And the light shone from heaven and said, I am the Lord Jesus Christ that you are persecuting. And Paul could recognize the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you? this morning are at the risk of falling into despair and doubt. And what do you need to hear to come out of that? If you're depending on your moods and moments, if you're depending on your moods and moments, you will crash. You will fall into despair. You will fall into doubts. But rely on one thing that doesn't change. Do you know what that is? Rely on the promises and the word of God. That is the unchanging truth. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will abide forever. And what is that word, my friends? What is that, my friends? What is that word, my friends? I am with you. I am with you. And when he is at a point... Of falling into despair and doubt. Christ Jesus reminded him again. Paul. I am with you. This is the promise. That Christ has given. In Matthew 28. 18 to 20. This is a renewal and reminder. Of what Christ had said. To the disciples. And now to Paul. He said I am with you to the ends of the earth. And just as. He said to the disciples and to Paul, He is saying to you this morning, If you are at the risk of falling in despair and doubt, Christ is saying, I am with you. I am with you. How does that work in your life? How does that work in my life? Even pastors like Paul are at the risk of falling in, in despair and doubt. As, as our president, board president have said, the turnover for pastor in America is three years. It's three years. They don't stay in church longer than three years. They either hate the church or the church hate them. 
right? So how does the Spirit of the Lord encourage me? For example, uh, this is how God is discipling me. And I'm trying to pour out my passion on you. So it's overflowing into your heart. Right? I was at the staff meeting. And uh, uh, I was looking at our finances. And one thing you know, that this pastor of this church hardly talk about finances in the church. In this past three years, maybe you might have heard three, two, three times. But I don't talk much about finances. Do you know why? Because I, do, I talk to the one who cares. Amen. It's not because I don't know the financial situation of the church. But I always talk to the one who matters. And that's to God. I talk a lot to him about finance. I look at the books. I'm aware of our books. I'm aware of every income and expenses. I don't talk a lot to my staff either. Because I talk to the one who listens to me. So this time I talk to the staff. We were short 17,000. Uh, October. 17,000. And we were looking at the staff and said, Oh, we're, we're short 17,000. And I always say at the staff, do not operate from doom and gloom. In my experience, God has never embarrassed His church, including me. God has never embarrassed me. Right? Rely on the Lord. Uh, but we're 17,000 short. Right? So we went away. Came another day. It was just me and my wife in the office for some reason that day. And I heard as I was preparing the sermon, somebody knocked at the door. And my wife opened the door. She normally don't do that. Right? She doesn't normally open the door. Because she's also busy. But, uh, and there are other people that are in the front office. But she went out, opened the door. And I could hear a guy coming in and say, Hey, this is a check for the church. It was Wednesday or Thursday during the week. And my wife said, Oh, thank you. And she opened the check. And she said to me, Honey... Uh, there's a check for the church. It's $4,000 plus here. Somebody said, praise the Lord. Amen. Yes? Yes. What is God trying to tell me? He is trying to tell me what we do here absolutely matters. That's how God's discipling my spirit. Okay. Another story. So this young guy who is here this morning... He called me, sent me an email and said, Hey, Pastor, I want to hang out with you and uh, I want to buy you lunch. Right. And I said, uh, Oh, that's awesome. And we, we were going to have lunch. And he said, Why don't I just come to the church and buy lunch? And, you know, so we met this week and he bought lunch for me. And uh, when we were about to sit down at this wonderful gazebo, he said, uh, Pastor, I want to encourage you. And I'm feeling this is good. This is good. I'm feeling the encouragement already with lunch, young guy coming. And he said, you have changed my life. You have changed my life. And, uh, but I'm here to encourage you. Right? There is a connection here. I want to tell a story how this thing, how God is working in our daily life. Right? So you're going to stay with me here today. And apply it in your own life. Because all of you, some of you had a rough week this week. And you wonder whether God was dead or he's not listening to you. So my wife and I went to a small group uh, pastors network. It was the Indian, people of Indian origin that are uh, pastoring here. They're pastoring in Venture, Menlo, um, 
and uh, uh, Westgate, right? Uh, so one, sometimes when the pastors come together, do you know what they do? Uh, comparison and competition, right? They compare how great their church is and they compete with their great ministry. But this wasn't like that. It was about soul care and Nancy Oldberg uh, was there teaching to a small group of us on soul care. And as we were there, one of the things she said was, take care of things that you love, the hobby that you, you cultivate. And my wife's been telling me, honey, why have you stopped playing golf? Because golf is like, it's just amazing for me. The greens that are out there, it just rejuvenates me, inspires me when I'm in the golf field. I'm not worried about the ball going here and there and losing the ball. It doesn't matter. I'm on the golf field. I'm inspired. This young guy doesn't know that. The young guy who bought me lunch, he played golf in school, college, and he he organized golf events, and he said, I play golf. He got so excited. How How is this story related to discipleship? My wife's telling me to play golf, cultivate my hobby, right? And we heard from Nancy again reiterating, And then God sent a young man to encourage me and said, I play golf. Now I have a golfing partner that I can play once a week. Right? Isn't that great? Yes. What I'm saying is God takes a lot of interest in our life to make things happen. That's what I'm trying to say. You think that He is not interested in your day-to-day life? He is. Because the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ is relevant and real in our lives. In this case, Paul, Christ is saying to Paul, well, do not be afraid. Speak. Don't keep silent. The main point is, I'm with you. When I look at the scripture, there are 367... 367 times the word fear appears in the Bible. Okay? You may do your research and you may say, oh, pastor, it's wrong, it's uh, 368. Uh, it's, I'll say I'm sorry, but in my research, okay? <laughs> you guys are good. You have your Google, so you, you know your phone, you can start doing it. You know, pastor, you're wrong, and I know some of you are happy to prove me wrong. And I would say, I'm sorry, forgive me, right? And there are 216 times that say, do not be afraid. 145 times, there is scripture Bible verses that says, do not be afraid and fear not. This is pretty important to God. Because He wants us not to be afraid and not to be fearful. Okay? Why? Because I'm with you. Because we know that we will have propensity to to fear, to be afraid. Our human nature is asking us to be afraid, to be fearful. And you look at Paul. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Paul had been taking a hit. 
he has been taking pretty big hit. The hatred, intensity, they want to kill him. They wanted to kill him. How many of us can take that? Day in and day out. If people that are around you hate you and persecute you, how much can you take it? How much can you take it? This is like the word of the prophet of Jeremiah in Jeremiah 15. In verse 15 and 16, he said, My wounds are perpetual. My wounds are perpetual. There is no healing. And he complained to God, God, where are you? When are you going to heal me? Even great prophets have gone through this. And when you read in 2 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 9, you find Elijah, the great prophet. What was he doing? He was lying down. He said, I want to die. I am going to die, Lord. Today I want to die. Because Zezebel, Zezebel wanted to kill him. And Paul wrote about this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. When you read in verse 2. He said, the evil one, the wicked ones are after you. I'm paraphrasing. Right? They, they want to squeeze the life out of you. It's not new. It's not new. And you face that. You and I face that. In our daily life. This week you have faced that. For no reason people have hurled, insulted you. Have misunderstood you. For no reason they just hate you. And you don't know what to do. And you're crying like Jeremiah. My wounds are perpetual. There is no healing for me, Lord. And you're crying like Elijah. I'm going to die. I'm, I'm feeling suffocated in my workplace. I'm feeling suffocated at home. Lord, help. And if you depend on your moods and moments to power through it, that's not going to happen. You know, feeling is not final. Feeling is not final. But what is final? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Right? Yes. And you have to listen. You have to create space and plan for it that the Holy Spirit of God injects the Word of God to you. When I was preparing for this series, starting in August, because uh, Sharon and uh, our worship minister and uh, Greg, our connection, said, Hey, Pastor, what's the new series going to be? It was in July. As I'm praying about it, and I've been praying uh, from there, and I didn't get any inspiration. Lord, what am I going to do? But one day as I was praying, as I was praying, I heard the voice and God spoke into my heart. And he said, speak boldly and courageously. Speak like the Holy Spirit will speak and do not be afraid. I'm like, wow, wow, right? And I started reading the book of Acts. I've read like two, three, four times just reading it over. And I came to this this scripture. Now the word of God spoke to Paul in the night by vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. This is like, whoa, lightning bolt and jewel coming into my heart and my soul. And I knew this making disciples was going to be a great inspiration for all of us. It's going to be a challenge for us, but it's going to be an inspiration for all of us. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And Paul, Paul described his fear in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 and 5. This is how he described. He was really afraid. And he put into feeling, 
I was with you in weakness, right? I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, just like your pastor. Right? Not persuasive words, not wisdom. You're thinking, how did Pastor God hear? Right? Can Pastor Dubs do it? No, no, I can't do it. What? Can he do it? No. But I know who can do it. God. I know God can do it. Right? And he said, and he said, um, here, uh, the word of God. And he said, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Right? You're not, if you're looking for worldly wisdom and knowledge from me, sorry. (laughs) But you're looking for power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And who God really is like. And how the Spirit operates and changes people's life. Yes. Then we are in this together. You're in this together. Are you hearing it this morning? How many of you are feeling it? All right, yes, yes, that's it. Three years, three years I've been here. And 34 people have come to 34 conversion in three years. Yeah, 34 conversion in three years. Can we do better? Yes, we should, we need to, we can do this better. I want us to pray, the church to pray. I want us, the church, to pray that life is changed. Because if we are afraid, if we are afraid, we will not be sharing the good news. Before I came here, I'm going to, you're going to hear this time and time again. This is not all over communication here. God said to me about what our church would look like. Santa Clara First Baptist Church. This is what our church is going to look like. He said, I have set before you an open door. Now remember, I haven't come to this church. I didn't know where this church was. He said, but God said, Dubs, Valui, you go there. I have set before you an open door. Yes, right? And he said, no one can shut it. For you have little strength. I didn't know there were a lot of mega churches surrounding our church. And we are one of those smaller ones. But the word of God said, I have little strength. So when I came, I understood. Have kept my word. Have not denied my name. Because you have kept my commands. Three things that our church will do. Is that we will keep the word of God. We will keep the command of God. And we will not deny the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? This is what our church is going to do. You hear me? Yes. Why? He has set an open door for us. Right? If some of you were transferred from here, and you come back to this church after three years, your mind will blow away because of what the Lord will do in that three years. You'll be like, wow! I met Jay, the husband of uh, John, John Fraser, yesterday. At Redwood Glen, we sat at the table together and said, Pastor, I came and your church just like changed in the past three, four years. He was so encouraged, right? 
So we may not see a lot of numbers here, but I can see that we are growing in what? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Our church is going to be a faithful church in this valley who keeps the word of God, who doesn't deny the name of Jesus Christ, and who obey and keeps the command of God. Aren't you excited? Isn't that why you come here for? Yes. Your pastor is riled up this morning. What time is it? Time doesn't make any more sense to me now. Yeah, but speak. I was at the, a trunk or trip, right? And we'll get ready, yes, for communion. And then at that yellow point, you can see the yellow point. This year I sat in one place. I remember if you sit in one place, maybe people will come instead of me going everywhere. And I sat in one place, and he did. People just came, and I was able to talk. This guy, I remember when I was preaching a year ago, he stood at that welcome center. And I gave an invitation for someone to start a new life with Christ because the, the, the offer that Christ gave is an abundant life, an eternal life. It's a great life with Christ. You may have struggles and challenges in your life, but indeed, it's going to be a great life. You're not going to do it alone. Christ is going to do it with you. And he gave his life to Christ. He's a Hindu guy. Right? He's very religious Hindu guy. He's a Brahmin. He knows the Veda. He reads the Veda. So we sat there and said, Pastor, I came to the Lord Jesus Christ because the, your church was very kind. One of your church members, when I lose my job, he even paid the rent for me. Right? And when I was going to leave to India because my wife didn't get a job, and we lost our job, he was also saying, I'm going to buy a ticket for you to go. So they were going to leave at February 17th last year to go back to India because they didn't have a job. And you know what God did? God gave him a job on February the 5th. That is discipleship. When you get messy and tangled with people's life and share to them the light of Christ. It does discipleship. And I'm just blowing away looking at these hundreds of kids and family out there. We were just talking and talking. He's one of the 34 that is saved in this church. Speak. Speak. And Paul continued for three years and six months teaching the word of God among them. He was there probably a year already. And then he continued to stay for a year and a half. So probably around three years he stayed in Corinth. When he was already going to give up, the vision and the message of God came into his heart. And he stayed for about three years discipling people. Isn't that amazing? That's what the word of God can do. Can do. Right? Can do. Rely on one thing that does not change. And do not be silent. Do not be silent. I'll tell this story and I'm going to prepare our worship team. Okay? To lead us into worship. Do you know what the untold gospel cost? Do you know the cost of you keeping silent? Do you know? It costs a life or lives. 
when you choose to remain silent, when you keep silent the gospel of God, the, the good news of Jesus, do you know what it costs? It costs lives. It costs lives. It's very costly. In 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7. You can read at home. I'm just going to give a short summary. The Syrian king have occupied Samaria and Israel. The kingdom of Israel was known as Judah and Israel. Judah in the south, Israel in the north, northern kingdom. That's part of Samaria. They have laid siege on it. And there was famine in the city of Israel, Samaria. And there, there were four lepers, four lepers outside the gate of Samaria, right? Because lepers are allowed, they are, they're made to stay outside the gate of both, whether it's Judah or Israel, Samaria, you got to be outside the gate. You can't mingle with people. So there's famine, they have no food to eat. They, they're full of leprosy and they said okay if we go to the city we will die because there is no food if we stay here we will die we're going to die anyway what's their alternative I mean this I was blown away they said we're going to go into the Syrian camp because in the Syrian camp there is food so if they don't kill us we're going to get to eat food if they kill us we're going to die anyway right so they went into the Syrian camp. Do you know what happened? There was nobody in the camp. The Syrian army has deserted the camp. Why? Because in the night they had heard strange noise that came from the Lord. And they were frightened and all the army ran away. They get in there, in the tent. What was in the tent? Food. They ate the food. And they look around. There were gold. There were silver. They were nice, fine clothes. They load up those things and ran and hid and then came back. They had another load of food, loading up the silver and the gold and the fine raiment. And then in between, they said, they look at one another. Should we, give, should we keep this good news to ourselves? People are dying. There is no food. There is famine in the city. They say, I don't think this is good. This is such a good news. I don't think this is good. We, God's punishment will come upon us. So what did they decide? Let's go and tell the king's household. This good news. So what did they do? They went and till, told the king's household that the Syrian army has fled. Then there is food. Then there is treasure. King's household came, got the food, got the treasure. You have the treasure. You are feasting on the goodness of the gospel right now as you sit here. Did you hear me? You are feasting on the goodness of the gospel as you sit here. Have we talked to one another to say, should we just give this to ourselves? There's spiritual starvation out there right out there the moment you cross the street you get into your car and drive there is spiritual starvation and people are dying as of now as we speak from spiritual starvation are we going to keep the good news to ourselves
when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is Christ, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the Scripture that Jesus is Christ. Jesus is Christ, compelled to speak. We should all be compelled to speak. And if you feel like you're at risk of falling in despair and doubts, and you feel, no, I'm not good enough, I'm going to die, I can hardly pick up myself and live my own life. I want you to rely on the one thing that does not change, the promise of God and God, and not on your moods and moments, not on your circumstances, because your moods and moments and circumstances cannot power you through your life. Only God and the Holy Spirit. And why should we do this? For I'm with you. For I'm with you. I sat across the, the table with a young guy. The Spirit compelled me to say, do you know Jesus? I said, should I say this? Well, I obeyed to the compelling urging of the Spirit. I said, do you know Jesus? It led to the introduction and his decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Rely on the Word of God. For your family, for your job, for your test at school, for your job application, whatever it is, rely on the Lord. Because I am, because I am, amen. Let's ask the usher worship team and the ushers to come forward. And this table, my friends, I'm going to come down here with you. This table is prepared for everyone that is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is prepared for you. This is His love. Lavish, luxurious love that the world cannot afford. And as you feast on the goodness of God and the gospel, I pray that you will tell that there is life in Christ to everybody, to those who are starving outside, to those who are looking for hope in despair and in doubt. In the night when our Lord Jesus Christ was going to be betrayed, He took the bread and He broke it, and He said, this is my? Yes. This is my? Body. He broke this body for us. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. We're going to remember. We're going to remember the death of Christ and what he did for us. Then on the same night, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood. It's a new covenant. It's a new covenant for what? For the remission of your sin. It means for the forgiveness of your sins. Did anyone come here sinless this morning? Yeah? Your pastor is the chief of the sinners. I need this. I need this. And Christ did this for us.